Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Coronavirus spreaders, pranksters, or terrorists? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, today we're going to be talking about the confusion, actually, that is building between uh, terrorists and pranksters. Um, you know, I've talked in some previous podcasts um, that you are certainly invited to go back and listen to uh, about how all the different interconnections between coronavirus and uh, terrorism and how this is a, um, a vulnerable time for us, particularly the more we're stressed out about coronavirus. Um, but this is a vulnerable time for us because the terrorists are being uh, told to jump on this time that we are in disarray and confusion and everybody's focusing, you know, the politicians and all the different bureaus and um, that could that could and do normally pay attention to terrorism, they are now focused on coronavirus. So <clears throat> this is their time, except of course also as I've talked about, um, some terrorists are getting coronavirus too, and I don't think there's any way at this point at least to know how many terrorists have succumbed to, to coronavirus other than the fact that a number of them are living in very crowded conditions with not very good um, medical care available to them. But we don't have numbers and we don't know who they are for the most part. I mean, there, there have been some reports of some uh, high up people in Iran, for example, who have uh, coronavirus or died of it. But for the most part, we don't really know what impact so far coronavirus has been having on terrorists and their, their strength. Um, so recently, um, the Department of Homeland Security put out a document that may have been, um, <laughs> that may have not, it wasn't supposed to have been made public, but um, one of the uh, outlets, media outlets, did make it public. And they, the Department of Homeland Security, the document says, members of extremist groups are encouraging one another to spread the virus, if contracted, to targeted groups through bodily fluids and personal interactions. Now, they're talking, of course, about terrorist groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda, but they're also talking about other extremist groups like domestic terrorists. Um, there already was a, and I'm sure there were a number of um, departments, organizations that have been studying uh, the risk 
of bioterrorism. I've talked about that before, but last year there was one called the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies, and they made a detailed assessment of the risk that Islamist terrorists might use infected humans, this was last year, to spread a contagious disease. Did they know something that we didn't know? Well, I mean, certainly bioterrorism has been on the uh, counterterrorism uh, watch, you know, on their, uh, they've been paying attention to it, certainly for years, um, particularly, for example, after 9-11 when anthrax was disseminated. So, um, what they found, this, this particular group that studied it, found that um, Islamist terrorists and extremist groups are more likely to use bioterrorism because they are not um, bound by any ideological or psychosocial norms, you know, the idea of using infected humans, <laughs> live humans, to uh, spread disease, they don't really have any norms that would tell them not to do this, you know, that would make them not want to do it. And plus, using infected humans to spread a contagious disease um, is a very easy kind of way of doing it. In other words, you don't have know, you don't have to know how to make a bomb. And um, so it could be very lethal, and they could target a particular population who they want to kill. Um, it's low cost. Uh, it would have traumatic psychological shock value. And it would undermine a country's public health and medical infrastructure and their ability to, you know, cure all of these people, this targeted group. And then also it would make us feel, um, erode our faith in the government. Well, of course, all of these things that they predicted could would happen if uh, terrorists used humans, infected humans, are in fact happening now with, not, I don't mean with terrorists, but I mean, are these kinds of things, the feelings of um, uh, being us being shocked and being a strain on the public health and medical systems and also eroding faith in our government. So those, those um, results are happening now even without a specific terror attack. So, um, and the idea of that could have been a limiting factor, recruiting humans willing to infect themselves to spread it on behalf of terrorists is not really a factor at this point because um, there are so many people already infected with coronavirus. So um, they developed this, uh, this theory of how to prevent pandemic terrorism, um, talking about disruption, deterrence, defense. Um, I, perhaps I'll talk about that at some later point. But right now I wanna get, so that was the Department of, of Justice. Um, um, I mean, the, the, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, I mean who put out this memo. That's their point of view. Let me tell you the point of view um, in regard to the, what the terrorists are thinking. Um, terrorist organizations are, are planning on, have been uh, putting out propaganda to use the coronavirus crisis to their advantage. 
they are trying to urge their followers to launch attacks. And uh, while we're not looking, <laughs> you know, while we're all focusing on coronavirus. So um, they're the director of research at the George Washington University's program on extremism said about this, jihadis see the current crisis as a manifestation of the wrath of God, both upon the non-believers for their rejection of God's law and crimes against Muslims, and upon those Muslims who have forsaken the duty of jihad. They argue that fighting jihad is the surest way to guarantee protection from the virus. Now that's an interesting twist. Not only will they um, get into heaven with the 72 virgins, but if they fight jihad, that's a way for the terrorists to protect themselves um, from getting coronavirus. So yes, are these things a bit twisted? Yes, but are they persuasive in terms of getting terrorists to attack us? that is left to be seen, but um, it uh, certainly is a possibility. And, um, you know, this is a way that th these theories um, are a way for various extremist groups to band together um, against, you know, during this time of coronavirus, thinking of it as being the punishment for the non-believers and so on. So now um, the Justice Department has uh, put out their own memo <laughs> and they um, are now saying that um, people who are spreading coronavirus, they want to hold them accountable for their actions. And they um, are, so they put out a memo that said that those who intentionally spread COVID-19 could be charged on terrorism-related charges because the virus appears to meet the statutory definition of a biological agent. And some of these charges could result in life imprisonment. Now, the key here is intent. What did the person intend to do? It, they would have to prove in order to um, charge them and, and um, find them guilty, they'd have to prove that the person did it to intentionally spread coronavirus. And um, I am now going to go into, actually in the next segment, <laughs> I'm going to stop for now and talk about in the next segment, some of the incidents that have been happening. And the question is, prankster or terrorist? These aren't, well, actually, um, some terrorists or some of these pranksters or terrorists um, were, uh, could be influenced by um, ISIS or Al-Qaeda, and some of them are domestic terrorists, and some of them are just teenagers thinking that these are funny pranks. Actually, there are deeper psychological reasons for it, and we'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about coronavirus spreaders, pranksters, or terrorists. Well, um, we certainly are seeing how there's the potential, and in fact, there already it already has started, 
um, how the coronavirus is reshaping terrorist attack plans. It's making some terrorists uh, speed up their attack plans. And um, this is not just a possibility. It, it's there are at least there is at least one case where we know that the um, person wasn't a prankster, but was actually a terrorist. Um, it was a man named Timothy Wilson, and he was planning to bomb a Missouri hospital uh, where they were treating COVID patients, COVID-19 patients. He actually had been planning, and he is a real terrorist. He is someone who um, has, was inspired by um, jihadist philosophies. And so he had been planning an attack for months. He was going to perpetrate a terror attack. And then he decided to speed up his plans and attack a Missouri hospital where, of course, there were um, lots of COVID-19 patients. I mean, that's an interesting aspect, too, that nowadays um, the attacks where you would use a truck or a car, the ramming attacks where you would ram people on a busy sidewalk, it's harder to do that these days because there aren't so many crowds on, on the sidewalks aren't busy. Um, you know, people, um, more people are inside. It's harder to find a crowd these days. And so even, you know, at uh, concerts, like what happened in Manchester, England, or um, other kinds of bombs, uh, other, other kinds of attacks that uh, terrorists used, without crowds, it's harder to have, to make an attack. I mean, yes, you could always set off a bomb, but how many people are going to be killed? And that's kind of the point of it. So getting back to Timothy Wilson, um, he decided to accelerate his plans and to target this hospital because of the pandemic, because there would be many more people in the hospital than usual. So um, he, he was motivated, the police you know, caught him, the FBI actually uh, stopped him right before he uh, put his plan into action. And they have described that he was motivated by racial, religious, and anti-government animus. And then interestingly, when they tried to arrest him, he sustained injuries that proved lethal. Hmm. Um, do you think maybe uh, think maybe the FBI agents who were uh, capturing him might have been so angry at the idea that he would take this opportunity to kill people who are already suffering from coronavirus? I mean, that's such a, a that's even more humane, inhumane than the usual kind of terrorist attacks. Um, and he, he was 36, and there had been a long-running domestic terrorism investigation of him. He was armed when he was caught, and um, he had, what he was planning on doing was carrying out a bombing um, and by using a vehicle-borne improvised explosive. So he was gonna drive his car uh, or a truck or whatever he was going to use into this hospital. And um, he chose a hospital that was providing critical care to the coronavirus patients. 
And um, he also had taken steps to acquire materials to build the bomb. And, to, and he wanted to cause severe harm and mass casualties. And, um, and they arrested him when he tried to pick up what he thought was a bomb. The FBI agents had you know, been following him and, and, um, and set him up to, uh, to capture him when he, when he picked up a bomb. Now, um, there's also this issue of travel, international travel. There are still people in the US who want, are wannabe terrorists and who want to go to the Middle East to learn, to train, to become a terrorist. So now that the US is closing its borders to a lot of countries and airlines are cutting down their flight schedules because you know fewer people are flying, um, then it's harder for some people who were planning to go to the Middle East to take a plane to get there. And, um, and so, so for example, the, they caught, um, you know, just like it's for all of us, some, you know, some, most of us are putting off plans to travel and then some people are accelerating their plans to travel because of the fact that they may not be able to get out on an airplane. So just recently, the Justice Department charged a Middle Eastern doctor from in America with trying to help ISIS. The doctor was temporarily working in the US and he had planned to get to Syria by flying into Jordan, but his plans changed when Jordan closed its borders because of coronavirus. So then he decided to fly to Los Angeles and from there travel to Syria on a cargo ship. And somehow in the midst of all of this, these changing plans, he was arrested at the Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport. And so he is not gonna be able to travel anywhere for a long while. Um, and then there's this other aspect to the coronavirus pandemic that is um, worrisome in terms of creating more terrorists. <clears throat> because people have a lot of free time now uh, where they're supposed to be home, and of course many people are spending this time on their computers, on the internet, they have all this time to pull down um, propaganda, ra radical Islamist propaganda, and ultimately, when coronavirus is over, and if they've survived and they haven't gone on a terrorist spree themselves, infecting people with coronavirus, then um, there will be more people believing in the um, radical Islamist propaganda. I mean, especially because of the fact that um, there was the imminent threat of death. There is the imminent threat of death with coronavirus. Well, I don't, again, um, <laughs> Let me take that back because I am trying to calm people, reminding them that only a very small percentage, um, certainly in the U.S., it is still at approximately 1%. There are just a lot of people in the U.S., so that is you know, ultimately going to be a fair number of people. But the point is, because we're all actually struck with, the, with our mortality, I mean, even though in the end it will be a small percentage who die, I mean, it's very sad that one person dies. 
but still it's a, it will be a small percentage, but it has made all of us face our mortality. And so that too is going to make some people, you know, put becoming a jihadist on their bucket list. I may not have many, many more years to live. I mean, look at this. You never know when the next pandemic is going to come around. I might as well, you know, become a jihadist. That sounds exciting. So, um, you know, especially also with all of the, uh, with all of the conspiracy theories going around about, you know, what caused the coronavirus, um, where, and so on, it's very easy when you're sitting by yourself and you're and scrolling um, the internet. It's easy to start believing some of the jihadist propaganda, and especially when we are isolated, you know. Um, so it's not. Um, so it's not just. You know, so you can't really, you don't have a lot of people to put you back into reality necessarily. I mean, there, there are a lot of people who are alone, and so they are not having people sitting there saying, oh, well, that's kind of a ridiculous idea. So um, then there was another man. Well, let me, um, when we come back, I am going to give you some examples of people who have um, pulled various, well, pranks or terror attacks, well, pranks, um, and they are being charged with various things. Many of them that I'm going to talk about have been, in fact, charged with making a terrorist threat. So what they thought was funny or what they did because of how um, psychologically impacted we all are from fear of coronavirus, um, whatever it was that spurred them to do these so-called pranks, uh, they are finding themselves in a lot more hot water than they ever could have imagined. So stay tuned, and we're going to talk about this gallery of rogues. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking about coronavirus spreaders, pranksters or terrorists. And now I'm going to go through some of the... Um, rogues gallery of these people. We've, I've already been talking about two of them who actually were jihadists, uh, one attacking the hospital and one trying to get on a plane to uh, go to the Middle East to train to um, perpetrate terror attacks. And um, I want to, before I um, give, go into the examples, um, part of this is psychological for why the people who aren't terrorists, <laughs> um, part of it is psychological for why they're, well, it's, it's all psychological, but some of it is more, uh, more excusable, well, I don't know, excusable, but some of it is, are more, some, some of these psychological reasons have more to do with their personality, like narcissism, and borderline personality. And some of the reasons have more to do with fear of coronavirus uh, and so on, the uncertainty and all of that. And so I'll, exp I'll explain that as we go through it. So, okay, here we have Mr. George Falcone, 60 years old, 60 years old, you'd think he'd know better by now. Um, he was charged with terroristic threats, obstruction and harassment. And it all started, he's from New Jersey, it all started after he allegedly, because he's now denying this, but allegedly uh, coughed in the direction of a local supermarket employee, 
claiming that he suffered from coronavirus. And this was Wegmans supermarket. And the state attorney general said, the employee was concerned that Falcone was standing too close to her. It was a woman <laughs> that he did this to. Um, the employee was concerned that Falcone was standing too close to her and an open display of prepared foods. So she requested that he step back as she covered the food. Instead, Falcone allegedly stepped forward to within three feet of her, leaned toward her, and purposely coughed. He allegedly laughed and said he was infected with the coronavirus. Falcone subsequently told two other employees they are lucky to have jobs. So let's analyze him. First of all, chances are that Falcone was laid off or lost his job because of the coronavirus, you know, and that's why and he's angry that these other employees still have jobs, jealous. And, um, and, um, you know, perhaps there was some uh, sexism in the whole thing, too. Would he have done the same thing if it was a male employee? Maybe not. Um, and so he's, oh, he was 50. No, that's funny. It says, yes, he's 50. He still should have known better. <laughs> um, so he's being charged with third-degree terrorist threat charges. And... Um, and he faces the possibility of more than six years in state prison and thousands of dollars in fines. Now he's denying this and, and I, I do not think that he, George Falcone is a real terrorist, a jihadist in any case. Um, but, but he's a man who it seems to me who's probably very depressed and, um, and angry about losing his job and um, wanting to scare this woman who had a job, you know, that's another part of it, um, I, I believe, that, you know, why should she have a job and he doesn't? Of course, we don't know what kind of job he had to begin with, but then there's this other man, let's go to Missouri. The, the interesting thing is there are examples of these um, pranksters or terrorists, uh, well, pranksters and who are getting charged with terror, making terrorist threats, um, in all over the U.S. and probably all over the world, but this this is seems like more of a particularly U.S. kind of thing to do. But so many states, the, these examples come from many different states. So there's this other man, young man, 26, in Missouri, and he um, was seen in a social media video licking items at a Walmart to mock fears of the coronavirus pandemic. His name is Cody Lee Fister, and he posted a video of himself licking deodorants at um, oh, a, a store in Missouri. And he wiped his tongue across the package and he said, who's scared of coronavirus? And he was arrested. Now, and he was arrested because people called the police department from all over, not only local residents, but people in, in the Netherlands, in Ireland, and the United Kingdom called the police to report this video. Now, um, his lawyer, so he was charged with making terrorist threats, and um, his and, and I mean, I guess the, the thing is that te theoretically, um, 
he by even though it's um he, you know he was he was uh even though he's, he was exposing himself to coronavirus by licking things in a grocery store um he also was exposing others of course because his saliva is on these things that people will now touch so was it intent was he a, a real terrorist or not now his lawyer is trying to say that it was just um a prank uh he's his lawyer is trying to say that it was just a childish prank and that it happened before coronavirus um oh here here it is before coronavirus uh was really serious you know had spread as much as it had and um he is and so in the video that this man made in missouri cody uh for social media to get attention um he and he and where he says who's scared of coronavirus he's trying to prove and a lot of these people that i'm going to tell you about they're trying to prove that they are not scared of coronavirus by doing by having denial first of all on how dangerous coronavirus can be and second of all um it's also a narcissistic defense um called reaction formation that is when you feel a certain way and you think it's socially unacceptable and you do the exact opposite to try to prove to the world, um, in, like in this case, that you're not afraid of coronavirus when really this guy is terrified. So in order to try to stop his fears, deal with his fears, and to show the world he's not afraid because that would be a wimpy thing to be, right? According to him in his mind, um, he, he licks things to and, and tapes it, videos it, for, posts it on, on social media. So, um, licking these deodorant sticks. <laughs> uh, so his attorney is saying that he did this before WHO declared the global pandem pandemic. And even though, he, and it, he, the lawyer is saying it was public conduct that was immature on March 10th that looks completely differently through the lens of today. So, you know, there is some, some truth to that, but um, it is still, I mean, he said, who's scared of coronavirus? So he knew that this was related, um, Cody did, uh, know that there was this chance of, of him getting it or others getting it or whatever. So although he doesn't seem like a real jihadist, um, certainly it, there was an intention of well, I don't know, an intention of getting people sick. I mean, this is, these are very gray areas. Um, who else do we have? We have, uh, the, oh, this is the worst. Well, in some ways, this is the most, this is the most ridiculous. Um, there is, there started to be, and you may be aware of this, there's a, there was a woman, it started with a, a woman um, who, who started a coronavirus challenge on social media um licking toilet seats i mean <laughs> coronavirus or no coronavirus terrorism or no or no terrorism licking a toilet seat a public toilet seat uh, you couldn't pay me to do something like that um it's called the coronavirus challenge 
And this woman who looks, um, a young woman who, you know, is very attractive and looks like, <laughs> not, doesn't look like the type of person who you would think of as, um, as licking toilet seats, but she does look like the type of woman who would do anything to get attention. And in fact, that's what she did. And so there are people who have been taking this coronavirus challenge to gain social media hits, you know, likes and, and followers and so on. And so then one of them, who's named Lars, um, licked a toilet bowl, um, and he is a TikTok personality, and he posted footage of himself uh, in a hospital bed after he licked the toilet. And he said, he's 21 years old, he's from Beverly Hills, <laughs> just shows you... Um, idiocy knows no social <laughs> doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor you can still be an idiot um he said i tested post positive for coronavirus so he showed a picture of himself uh in a hospital bed saying that he tested positive now it's not clear whether really whether that's true whether he did test positive or whether this is another prank but um but this is what he did and um and it really is for um, just to try to get attention. And then, our, then there's another group of people who um, are similar, doing similar kinds of things. They're called virus rebels. And they plan parties and social events to defy the stay-at-home orders. Like there was one in San Francisco that got caught. Um, and uh, his name... Um, he was, let's see, um, I don't think they mentioned his name, but he, uh, he called, he, he was planning a party in San Francisco where it was $5 for the guest list and $780 for, for a VIP package of tickets, a private booth, and two premium bottles, presumably of champagne and they were arrested. And, um, you know, of course, I can kind of see how people would, I mean, that's still also very, very sick, <laughs> literally sick. Um, but, you know, this, this, um, these draconian rules of people staying inside, I can kind of, it, it triggers a teenage mentality, you know, and a, a defiance of authority is really what it's triggering. And that could be in a teenager, you know, some of the examples I gave you, or um, it could be in a uh, jihadist who also wants to go against authority, the, you know, the West, um, you know, people who, people um, who there are their targets. So, so, you know, th there could be, um, I mean, aside from, from being, and for, for these examples of people who are putting these, posting these videos on social media, I mean, they are, of course, narcissists. Some of them are borderline personalities. Um, and they are desperate. They are dying for, you know, you could, dying for attention. They are literally dying for attention. They are doing all of these things that are dangerous, trying to pretend to themselves in the world that they're not scared. They want to make other people scared. It's like little kids. That's what little kids do. And that's why um, you, you have to explain things like terrorism and 
um, coronavirus, that's one of the reasons why you have to explain it to kids, is because other kids want to make other kids scared. And they exaggerate things or they do all kinds of things to try to make them scared because they are really scared. Now I'm talking about little kids. And um, apparently these are teenagers or, or even in their 20s, I gave you some examples, um, who, um, who are arrested at the little kid stage of development. Um, it is part of also the fact that we feel uh, a lack of control over the coronavirus. There's uncertainty and so on. I mean, I'm explaining all these different reasons why people might do these things who aren't jihadists, who are doing it to kill us. <laughs> That's their, they have a simple reason for doing it. Um, they just want to kill us and they want to take advantage of this vulnerable time that there is to do it. And yes, unfortunately, like the story that I gave you, unfortunately, uh, as at least with the one real terrorist, uh, that made him think of these hospitals treating coronavirus patients as a prime target. Well, hopefully there won't be any copycats to that because that takes inhumanity. That's inhumanity squared. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.